0: Hello and welcome to the UK Consults, our occasional ramble through all things to do with citizen engagement and customer experience with guests and examples of good practice from around the world. But kind of anyway. But with today's host, myself, um, I head up Granica's Experience Group in the UK, and Karen Steele, who is our UK leader for all things customer success. And, and before we carry on, a quick plug for our latest episode out now there, Karen gives a great overview of what customer success means for Granicus and our customers. So there you go. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, have a go. Tell us what you think. Anyway, today we are excited to be featuring another special guest from an organization that has up to 5 million customers a day. And that's just on one of its services and covers a population of some 8.4 million people. And to quote Cilla Black, special guest, what's your name and where'd you come from?
1: Morning, Jonathan. Um, I'm Fraser MacDonald. I'm Transport for London's Strategic Consultation Lead, which means me and my team are responsible for every aspect of uh, TfL's uh, programmes of consultations across all of our transport services. Um, You might have guessed from my accent. I'm originally from Glasgow in Scotland, but uh, for the last 24 years, I have been living south of the border, initially in London, and currently with my family in Hertfordshire at
0: the moment. Fantastic. Thanks, Fraser. It's great to have you join us um, today. Um, And in true British fashion, we we started off before we started recording talking about the weather. um, The (laughs) fact that it's so cold, unusually cold at the moment, that you felt at home. (laughs) I absolutely did.
1: It felt like I was being back on the West Coast, yeah. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Uh, Right, I think, Karen, you're going to kick us off.
2: Absolutely. So, Fraser, TFL uses Granicus's Engagement HQ platform for your public uh, consultation and stakeholder engagement. So tell us how that started, how long you've been using the platform and and what you hopefully enjoy about it, find beneficial.
1: So we're coming up just to your anniversary of using Engagement HQ and, and working with Granicus. Um, in fact, our second anniversary, I think, is on the 14th of May, so just in a couple of weeks' time. And since we've been using engagement, we've been branded and uh, kind of promoting it publicly as TfL's Have Your Say page uh, to make sure that people are engaging and consulting with us. I think we've had a really interesting journey and a good journey with Granicus so far. In fact, when I was checking on the sort of... Um, date that we started working with you guys, I also come up with some other facts and figures and stats about you know the level of engagement that we've had with this. And I was quite surprised to find out that over those last two years, we've now had one and a half million visits to our Have Your Say website, over half a million downloads of documents about our engagement and consultation activities. We've got a huge and really great uh, registered group of participants. We've got 85,000 uh, people who have uh, registered to use the service and, and be part of that. And in two years, we have launched 130 different projects. And like I say, those are over a huge range of things that we deliver at, at TfL from small bus route changes right up to the, the biggest expansions of ultra low emission zones, development of new uh, lines um, and new policies and things like that as well. So it's been, it's been a very interesting and busy couple of years we've had with you guys already.
2: Great. And we've we've been delighted to work with you as well. It's been uh, really interesting for us to learn more about such a world-renowned organization really
1: Yeah it's been uh, I think it's it's been a journey for both of us, isn't it because it's um, I think at TFL we we like to do things in a certain way, and I think you guys have worked really well in, in sort of listening to us um, and, and making sure that we are using the platform as best as we can hope and making sure that's a good experience with uh, with the public and our stakeholders.
0: Hmm. Right. I, I love that number, that 1.5 billion and the 500,000 downloads, um, and, you know, they're really remarkable stats. And I, I also went back in time, Fraser, and, and because at the time, and I don't think we realised it, roughly two to three years ago, we were actual pioneers, but we were being transformational at the time because the UK market for public consultation was mainly online surveys all face-to-face There wasn't that sort of um, the, the engagement hq platform was reasonably u- new to market um, and at the time when you decided that you wanted to switch to to something that was more sort of like you know met your requirements a bit more we didn't really realize how transformational we were being and lots of other um, you know organizations have done the same thing And so looking backwards, it's quite fascinating to see how we've, you know, how we've been on that journey. And just going back in time, this is three questions in one, actually, so you might need to unpick it. If you go back to the beginning, what were your main drivers and, and what were your hopes for more hybrid, more digital participation? And now you know what you know, how have these changed as your digital maturity grows? That is a really big question, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and it was great to sort of think about this and and to kind of do that reflection on where we were a few years ago. Cause as you say, we had within the consultation team, we had been using um a, a different platform for about 10 years before that. And it was uh, you know a solid platform, but very focused on just the consultation aspect of it. We were kind of very stuck in our way of just presenting consultation surveys and questionnaires and things like that. And I think Um, at the time that we we started to think about different opportunities and about procuring our platform for consultations um, again, we started to do a lot of learning from what was actually happening around us at the same time. Because you've got to think back to to two years ago, we were just coming off the back of the dreadful COVID pandemic. um, And during that time, as an organisation, we definitely recognised that there was a real shift in people's perception and expectations of what it came to exist online and to do a lot more activities online. And we did sort of reflect on, was the way that we were presenting things and engaging with people as effective as it could be. You know, prior to the pandemic, there was probably very few people out in the general world We were used to doing things like Zoom calls and uh, having conversations with family and friends o- o- online on a regular basis. Um, all of a sudden, we were now in a world where we'd experienced more than a year worth of uh, varying lockdowns. And we'd all become a lot more used to doing things online. We were doing a lot more of our entire sort of life experience online. And so we wanted to kind of learn from that and think about um, what platform was now fit for purpose to to kind of explore and work with people now that they had uh, a greater level of experience of being a customer online and engaging with organizations a lot more online? And I think the other thing that we wanted to look at and a kind of key driver around um, why we came to engagement HQ and Granicus, um, is that we wanted a platform that better supported the entire engagement life cycle. Like I say, prior to working with your guys, I think we were very predominantly focused as an organization of just using it for the public consultation function. And we wanted to work now with all of our colleagues across the business who work in engagement and communications, to start to explore a platform that could be used at varying steps in the engagement lifecycle. So right from the start, right through public consultation and into the phases after that, when we still continue on to having conversations with our customer base. Um, and again, that was a key driver of of what we were looking for and our requirements that we wanted. Um, And I think the final thing that I was looking for, I'm really passionate about trying to work in an innovative um, and different way and working with suppliers who've got kind of similar mindset to me that, that have looked at different problem statements and sort of said, do you know what, lots of people have done this in the past, but here's some new solutions, here's some new interesting and um, productive ways of working, let's try it. And I think that's what the Granicus and the Engagement HQ solution was there to offer us. There was lots of more new tools and new ways that we could think about uh, exploiting those tools to better connect with that huge population that we've got.
2: That's fascinating, and I think it segues quite nicely into What I was just going to ask, you may have already partially answered this, is that so if you were speaking to somebody who hasn't already taken any steps into online consultation, what advice would you give to people just starting out?
1: I think there's probably sort of four key points I would think about. Whether you're starting out or whether you're changing to a different platform, I think the first thing is you've got to be patient. Anything Digitally related, no matter what size of organisation you are, is always going to have some hurdles that you have to get through. You might kind of be hopeful of getting things up and running in a very short period of time. But you've got to think about all those key things behind the scenes about any sort of types of integration you might have with your existing services. Any ways that you might think about data security all those things which sound quite boring and mundane but are so important to get right so that you've got the best possible um, solution that you're offering to your customers when it's up and running so just be patient and be kind of mindful that it may take a little bit longer just to get things to exactly where you want it to be when you're starting out on this journey I think similarly related to that is be prepared to tackle new issues. You know, like you guys said, Engagement HQ was a new platform um, around the time that we were starting talking with you. And we probably had some very different expectations or we had different understandings of how different bits of the solution would work. And you just got to work through those issues. You know, you can't expect everything to be perfect on day one and i think the the really important part of that is just for you and whoever your supplier is is just to to talk and listen to each other and uh, and work through it together and i think we've been continuing on that journey and we continue to have that good relationship and i think thirdly it's about investing time and in staff training you know i think the engagement hq platform is fairly straightforward and easy to use but it's surprising how different people Uh, react to new solutions, particularly in our case, where we'd had people who had been using a different platform for 10 years before that. They were very used to working in a certain way and used to developing consultation exercises in a particular way. And so we needed to start again and we needed to bring people on that kind of change curve Bring them along on the journey, show them the benefits that the new solution was going to provide us, and more importantly, when they struggled or if they needed help, that we invested time in them to make sure that they were able to um, deploy the consultations as best as, uh, as possible and to get the most out of it. So I think that's absolutely crucial is about investing that that time and money and staff training. And then finally, I think the last thing, it, it's all about once you get up and running and you get out there, just don't think that. What you've got now has to be the final product. You know, constantly listen to your customer feedback. Be prepared to adapt to the way that you're pre- presenting things. And if things aren't k- kind of working as you'd expected, you know, make the change. Don't just kind of live with problems. Talk to your customers. Talk to your supplier, and make sure that uh, you're working together in the right direction to create the sort of best customer experience. So
2: you're working for a software company. I love to hear clients say that iterating is something that they're working with because we all have to do that in our in our day-to-day lives with everything really um
0: yeah and and that's fascinating and I think it also relates to my next question which is around thinking about the whole digital experience and that end-to-end customer journey which has already always been very big in the tech world if you like but But we never really had to apply it to public consultation and engagement in the same way. And I think we've started to talk about it, Fraser, around the importance of that customer journey when it comes to engagement and consultation. In the very first moment, someone finds out about an issue that might affect them or their family. What do they do? How do they decide to take part? What information are they looking for? Then how do they want to participate? What emotions are they going through and so on? And and then actually building that end-to-end experience rather than necessarily always just focusing on the tools for engagement but actually thinking about that broader experience I'm quite fascinated by that and so my question at the end of that long ramble is how do you think looking at public consultation from this perspective from a different lens might change our approach
1: I think it's a really interesting question to ask them that because As an organisation, Transport for London, we've long lived with the tagline that every journey matters. And so this massive organisation that runs a huge amount of transport services and moves millions of people across the capital every single day, we are brilliant at having that operational face of the business where absolutely, you know, how we get somebody from A to B and make sure that's a a safe and um, good experience for them is so, so important to us um, and our operational colleagues who sort of work on the front lines and the gate lines and things like that are are just exemplary in doing that. And then it's kind of funny when you you kind of then look at something like we do with, with consultations and engagement. And suddenly, I think sometimes, if I'm absolutely honest and hold my hands up, you kind of forget the customer experience sometimes in, in more of these Um, activities that that we undertake. And I think when I joined uh, and took over the consultation team four or five years ago, I think we were probably looking at the process of a consultation uh, in two specific regards, which were kind of key performance indicators. It was about making sure that what we did was really robust. There was a good quality consultation exercise that met all the gunning principles, was legally compliant, was not going to fall down and be jarred at any opportunity. And I think actually because we were so focused on on that sort of aspect of the the rigor that we're putting into things, we kind of forgot a little bit about the customer journey that we're going on. And I think, Jonathan, working with you last year and having that workshop um, to talk about this from a customer experience it kind of lifted the lids off a lot of uh, the team's eyes about actually we're really missing a trick if we're not doing more to improve the customer experience and everything that we do when it comes to consultation and engagement. So I am really passionate about making sure that customer experience and that customer journey does improve, that we start to use our customer base that we've got. Like I said, we've got 85,000 people who are registered with us and we can connect with on a regular basis. But on top of that, there's a, another one and a half million odd people who who are coming and having a touch point with us, whether they're just there to find out about a bit about something, become more aware about it, whether they're there to become more informed about the consultation itself, whether they actually want to be fully engaged and take part in that that one piece of work or many pieces of work we need to think more about how that customer journey works for them and make it as seamless and as enjoyable as possible so that they they do want to move through each of those kind of steps because um it's great that people sort of get aware but you know we're doing this work to make sure that at TfL, we make the best possible decisions um, for for London, you know, and for the transport services we provide. And if I get millions of people just kind of touching base with us and just skimming off some details and then leaving, that's fine, you know. There's a degree degree of uh, benefit from that. But what I really want is that kind of million and a half people to to truly give us their their thoughts, feelings, and views on things, because out of that we will find new ways of making our services better that we as an organization we've always got certain perspectives and things and certain things that we look at but it's the, the customers that can tell us the most about the the change that's, that's truly needed in their communities to make their journeys better and so the more that we can think about this consultation and engagement from that customer journey experience the better it's going to be and so I think we're probably still in early stages with Granicus about exploiting more of your experience and knowledge in this area. And I think over the next 12 months, I think we've got a really sort of interesting journey to go on around this. And at the same time, I'm also taking steps with the team uh, and with some um, some other suppliers to look about how we are as inclusive and uh, accessible as possible in everything that we do. And so actually at, at the moment, we've, we've got a, a kind of a disability inclusion and accessibility audit that's, that's ongoing around our entire consultation approach. And I'm hoping that some of that will then feed into to the work that we're doing with you guys to make that entire customer journey, not just beneficial for some parts of London, but for all of London's diverse communities.
0: That's fantastic to hear and if we weren't on the radio so to speak you'd see that I've got a big grin on my face um, because <laughs> I think I think we did lift the lid on it um, and uh, and then I was like oh is it a Pandora's box? <laughs> well, yeah. well, is there such a thing as a good Pandora's box? So and I think it's the future for the profession of public consultation to look at it more this way. I think we'll uncover lots of things that we can do to improve what we're all about. Absolutely.
2: It felt like you were almost saying going back to iteration that you there are different levels of success as well and which is absolutely true you know success might just be that somebody who has never engaged with you has suddenly become aware that they can do so Um, I'm just interested whether there's anything particular that stands out from the last couple of years work as a success to you where you've thought yeah I'm really pleased I'm really proud that we as a team achieved that
1: so I think there's there's one particular. I mean, like I said right at the start, there's 130 different projects that we've launched on engagement HQ over those last couple of years, um, and I'd hope to think that that every one of those was a success, and it was a it was a good engagement or consultation exercise, or the entire sort of life cycle that we took those projects through, and I'm hoping that every single one of those did sort of benefit our decision makers to help support their decision making process. But if I think I was being specific, there there's one that we conducted, um, I think it was sort of late 2021 into early 2022, around our step free access program at Transport for London. So this is something specifically focused on the underground network. It's about the investment we've been making over a number of years to make our tube stations much more accessible to people with disabilities and mobility issues and things like that and we can recognize that our current funding phase had been coming to an end and we now had an opportunity to think about well so what what should the future look like you know when we get an opportunity at a future point in time to to do another big investment program do we just kind of continue on with what we did in the past or do we better utilise the intelligence and information and knowledge that we can gain from London's disability and mobility community to learn more about what their specific needs are. And so I was really proud of that step free Access consultation because it ran for, I think it ran for a couple of months. It got a very good response rate. We had over, I think, 5,000 people specifically from those kind of hard to reach communities that took part in that. And it gave us a chance to kind of step back and look at those particular communities that would be most impacted by the type of potential policy or operational uh, proposals that could come in the future. And it made us really think about, well, what's the best way to engage with these communities? And that's where we have this great kind of hybrid approach now that there's things that we can do digitally to help connect with those communities. And there's still some of the good tried and uh, tested things on the ground that we can do to go and meet with those communities. So I think it helped that consultation in itself helped us reconnect with the idea about how we can be more inclusive and accessible in the way that we work. I think it kind of opened our eyes to the fact that there's a lot more digitally you can do to connect with those communities as well. And from that, We then trialled things like British sign language videos for the deaf community. We trialled new easy read surveys and online documentation for the neurodiverse community. We built new connections with stakeholder groups who were kind of more for the older London demographic. And I think what we got was a very high degree of extremely insightful experience and knowledge from those communities. I personally think the kind of response rate that sort of over 5,000 responses was a good one. Other people in other organisations might say, oh, well, you should have expected more than that for the size of the sort of London community you've got. But actually, it was the clarity and quality of that feedback that was exceptional. And a lot of those kind of particularly the digital side of things, I take a policy decision to to say, you know, that that's been really successful in the way that we've reached out and connected with people. We're now going to make a standard approach as to how we move forward. So you'll see that on every um project that we launch on or have your say page now they will all include a British Sign Language video that explains our proposals and a British Sign Language video that explain our consultation questionnaire they will all have easy read versions of all of those materials as well obviously we um, benefit from the fact that the platform that you guys provide is also can be translated into lots of different languages um, and the other thing that we're, we're now starting to trial is a new British Sign Language Community Conversation Service so that the deaf community, if they want to ask us a question, don't just have to send us an email and expect an email back. We can actually set up a translation, BSL translator, to be the kind of midpoint of the conversation. So the deaf person can use BSL to speak to a translator, the translator then speaks to us, and we have that sort of three-way conversation to make it a much more natural and engaging exercise in the effectively the language that the community member wants to use rather than just pushing them down a route which says well we only communicate in this way so we're only going to tell you things in this way so we are trying to really adapt and listen to that and I think the step free access piece was the kind of starting point of really reinvigorating that work and it's definitely having some benefits for us.
2: Meeting people where they are is so important I think.
1: Absolutely. Um, you can't get better than that, can you? And there were some communities that we spoke to as part of that consultation that said, we had no idea we could talk to you in this way. We so appreciate you coming and spending time with us and wanting to listen and hear our voices and making sure that that's reflected in the way that you make decisions on this. And I think it's it's quite powerful and gratifying to actually Definitely, hear that when, yeah. you, when you hear that from people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because for us or for someone who doesn't require that additional thought behind the interaction, we take these things for granted. But if you're someone who has traditionally been excluded for your whole life, that is a massively powerful door that's been opened to you. And it also empowers them to then go to other organisations and say, hey, look, TFL has been able to do this. Why can't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? I've said to every member of my team that since we've been particularly around developing things like the easy read documentation for neurodiverse members of our community, everybody should go along and be part of a workshop where you work with members of that community to create these kind of documents and understand their experiences. It is absolutely fascinating. And like you say, if you haven't got a family member or a friend or somebody perhaps is living with those kind of issues, you'll never sort of experience or or see it from their perspective. But this is a really super intelligent, super engaged, super passionate part of our community that we've really got to listen to. And it's really, really powerful and impactful when you sit
0: down and talk to them and listen to them. That's such a fantastic thing to share with us, Fraser. Thank you so much. We're going to sort of come to the end now with one final quick question, quick fire question. If you had a magic wand, what one thing would you ask for to make the consultation experience a much better one? So you've got a magic wand, Fraser.
1: There's lots of things that I could think of. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I hope this doesn't sound like the sort of Miss World Peace response that you would give to this kind of question, but. I truly think in the last five or six years, we've seen such a change in the way that, that everybody seems to want to engage and talk to each other. You know, whether it's the public, our stakeholders, other organisation, leaders in our communities or political leaders or whatever, there just seems to be a very different flavour of engagement and things are so much more partisan now, aren't they? Where people maybe sometimes just don't have the same patience and tolerance that they used to have. I don't know if I'm looking at that through sort of rose-tinted glasses, but it just feels being at the kind of the coalface now of this type of work, that some of the ways that people feedback to some of the proposals that we are making, and you know, these are also, these are proposals, we're there to listen, to learn, and work with people to hopefully make the best possible decisions. The way that some people want to approach that, the language that's used, and the behaviour that sometimes comes across, um, it's quite. It's very difficult, very difficult for the team to deal with, particularly when you know you're running hundreds of these projects um, over these last few years, and you're just seeing this constant uh, sort of diatribe of negativity. And, and I'm not saying this is everyone, but it, there's a proportion of the population who are there to kind of abuse and, in the worst cases, threaten us over the kind of things that we're proposing and that we want to talk to people about. So if I'm absolutely honest, it would be more, uh, that magic wand would be a bit more tolerance and for everybody to kind of take a step back, take a breath and to recognise that there are different ways of tackling every problem. There's lots of different views that, that can be expressed. There's also lots of reasons why some things can't be done and there needs to be a bit more understanding about why we are constrained in some of the ways that we work. Um, And for people who have a bit more perspective, would be a lovely kind of wish to to end this conversation on. Um, Maybe that's me just being the eternal, hopeful, glass half full kind of person, but
0: that's what I'd like to get back to.
2: I think we can all get behind that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Well, what a great call to action to end on, Fraser. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Karen, for co-hosting and for helping us out on the UK consult today. So um, thank you very much, Fraser.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me on the call this morning. And I look forward to continuing to work with you guys.